The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. What's up, guys? Happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Um, you know, we have an interview scheduled at 1 o'clock. Tim's here. I'm here. <laughs> it's phenomenal to me that we even have, like, a scheduled time with a guest, and James still can't be within 10 minutes. So this poor guest has to sit and talk to Tim and I and listen to us blabber on about whatever the hell. Catching and I got to be honest, here's the thing. We're not that interesting. We aren't that we're interesting. We're not that good. Like, not. We're not, no. It's... We're not. And, and James, like, without even a text, I'm going to be late. We literally had to reach out to him at 107 to be like, right. hello. So, so, okay. So, I this is the, the funny part. the most un-Canadian Canadian I've ever met. That's, well... Are we Canadians punctual? punctual? Are we, yeah, Canadians are courteous. It took them like well, an extra okay. 150 years to ask for freedom. Well, <laughs> actually, I don't think you guys asked. Yeah, well, we declared. Yeah, we yeah we <laughs> asked. You just sort of wore it out. And yeah, anyway. but you well, also um, got like a kind of answer too, right? Yeah, fair. I mean, we still have like a governor general's. It doesn't matter. Liz is still on the money. She's great. Commonwealth. Here's what's funny about this particular instance of me being late for this show. The reason I was initially late was I was helping my wife film an audition for a movie that she got and it had to be in like right away. So we were doing it and I had my phone on silent because I have to when we're recording and we went a tiny bit over. And so at 1.06, I pulled my phone out and I saw a message from Tim. And I was like, hey, man, sorry, just finishing up a really important audition with Becky. I'm, I'm heading to the office right now. And, and like by heading to the office, I mean like from the hallway to, the, like, to my home office, like 10 feet and then I got here and my computer was off, which it never is. And my computer is old and crappy and slow. And by the time I turned it on and logged on and then the Zoom didn't work and then I logged off and I logged back on, was finally there and the interview had already started, you know, it was about 15 minutes for sure, late. For, for sure, for sure, you know, when, when something's scheduled at 1 p.m., it's really tough to get in your other things before that point. <laughs> like it's, 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 it is, so it is I think the challenge. takeaway here is that Hazel needs to sell popcorn so James can get a new computer. I think the takeaway <laughs> right. is James just needs to buy a computer. because Yes, 100%. But, but you've been saying this for how long? A long been time. Doing this show? A long time. <laughs> but what's what, what I thought? What I was gonna say that's so funny is I was gonna be late even without the audition because I would have walked in here with like five minutes till one and then realized my computer was off and it still would have taken ten minutes for the thing to fire up. Mm. So the good news is I'm not eating a Panera sandwich. Well, the bad news for me. Good news for you guys. Well, at least we had a we had a good guest. We had a great guest. <laughs> off track with Ricky and Rossi. <laughs> Can we get him to It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> it, do, it does sound nice. The alliteration's good. Yeah. 
Well, guys, um, this this interview is uh, going to be really special for for all y'all, and uh, especially cool for me to kind of hear his side of the story. Um, so, coming up next, we've got uh, Wayne Taylor Racing Acura DPI driver Ricky Taylor. All right, guys. So it's a pleasure for me to uh, to bring on our guest today. Um, gotten to know him very well the past couple of years, and uh, very well, especially the past couple of weeks. Um, my Rolex IMSA endurance teammate uh, with Wayne Taylor Racing, Ricky Taylor. So thanks, Ricky, for coming on. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Um, so <clears throat> I just want to talk to you about, I know James is going to have some questions for you about, obviously, uh, last weekend and, and the drama and excitement that, that went into that for, for kind of all of us on the 10 car side. But I want to take a step back and, and for those listeners that don't really know Kind of your full story and and who you are necessarily outside of uh, the 2021 overall Rolex 24 winner. Um, you are currently driving for Wayne Taylor Racing, so Wayne Taylor is, is your father. Um, prior to that, you were driving for Acura Team Penske, but then before that, you actually drove for your your father in in kind of the first place. So, what was it like, or what is it like now, kind of driving for your dad? stepping away, um, driving for an organization like Team Penske, and then coming back into the family team, is, is it, was it strange for you to go through that adjustment or was it kind of business as normal? Because obviously you stayed in very close touch with your father during your, your time yeah. at Team Penske. Yeah, um, as, a, as a driver, you're always kind of like, you know, you're only as good as your team and your equipment and stuff. And I was very lucky growing up to be surrounded by people that were very knowledgeable. I had, um, you know, mentors like Max Angeloli and my dad and um, Jan Magnuson, all these drivers that were able to advise me growing up and um, help me learn at a really quick rate. And um, and then the opportunity to drive for my dad from 2008 slash 10 to 13 to 17. And I'd been in Obviously, in that situation, you're in great equipment. The team is one of the best teams in the pit lane and in sports car racing. And um, so, you know, you naturally you show over it quite well when you're in such good equipment. And and so through that, you know, you don't really get the chance to prove yourself outside of the nest, as they say. And um, so for me, it was always a matter of trying not to be the team owner's son and trying to, you know, do the job as as a as a driver coming from the outside would. And trying to earn my spot in that environment, and you know, there's always a, a constant struggle between you know, people saying, "I oh, can get equipment, he's dad's kid," and all this stuff. And, um, so for me, it was always trying to do go, you know, above what what I could to and define myself yourself type be, thing. Yeah, to be, to be a good teammate, and you know, like you said, um, uh, just you know, find my way. Um, and then going away uh, to Penske for three years was. And it's a great opportunity to get to learn and drive with a whole new set of drivers. I've driven with my brother and Max Angelo, they'd be my two teammates, and then whoever was the long distance guys. And so getting to drive with Dane and Juan and Elio, Simon, uh, Graham, and then finally uh, you joining the team for the 19 and 20 seasons. Um, you really challenge yourself, and it was a great opportunity to learn a whole new side of it and um, not have the safety net of, you know, dad there. And, um, being a being a high pressure team that the standards are very high, and then 
and then that sort of shifting to uh, you know the relationship with Acura and Honda HPD, as you know very well, it's that's a big family in itself. And then uh, kind of bringing all that back to Wayne Taylor Racing again this year was just a, a super cool uh, opportunity to, to merge all of those those elements. And this time coming back, it's more uh, you know I'm coming back as a as a driver and having you know gone off and, and done something else for a couple of years, and now I can hopefully bring some experience back to the team instead of uh, it, you know, kind of being one side of them, them supporting me, I'm able to bring a little bit more to the table. So, so it, when it, you first went to, um, to Penske in the very beginning, did you ever accidentally call Roger dad <laughs> <laughs> and was like, was he fine with that? <laughs> I think that's what everybody wants to know. Yeah. yeah I mean, hard hitting questions here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing with, with, with uh, RP is I didn't know what to call him. Yeah, like, obviously, yeah. dad, dad um, would have been a would have been a slip up for sure. And <laughs> he, he does he is surrounded by a lot of his family as well. But I don't know what to call him, Mr. Penske, RP, Roger. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I know either. To be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, I know that the people closest to him call him RP, and I know Elio kind of can call him whatever. But like. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever addressed him other than hi. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> I just call him dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That might be why I'm not allowed at races this year. <laughs> it's probably weirder when you just don't say anything. And I, I feel like that's what we were doing. <laughs> so getting back to this year, um, it was obviously an amazing 2021 for the Taylor family. Obviously, as we all heard on the NBC broadcast, um, your dad won. You won and Jordan won. <laughs> did your does your mom ever feel left out? Like is she <laughs> Do you guys have to get her a watch now? Yeah. I can help her out with a tag if you want. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the great thing about her. She uh she's she's used to it, like being the mom. She's there, she's just super supportive. And um, I don't think my dad heard what he was saying. We all knew that like you were on the timing stand. His like he was exhausted by the end. He'd been there just like focused on what the predicted lap time. Why haven't we pitted? What tires do we have on? Why aren't we leading? Well, why are they catching us? All this stuff. And then he gets to the end of the race and he's just, well, I won this race. My son's won this race. <laughs> and that was like all he said. It was like, no. <laughs> well, at his defense, he had had a little bit of vodka. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you mentioned that too as well. <laughs> and mom provided the vodka. So there you go. All right. Yeah, so she mom, did help. Should have at least gotten credit for that. <laughs> It, it's it's amazing like i didn't i didn't know wayne um really at at all until kind of november december time when we started talking about the possibility of of being able to to kind of get together for for 2021 and um your dad's a, a riot man like i know it's it's sometimes hard i i have this with with my dad and and i know um kind of from from knowing Marco, like he has it with Michael, like it's hard when you're that close to them and, and you have a working relationship with them to kind of see it from the outside. But he's a, he's a very special, special guy. And um, it's, it's really cool to be able to just be around him in, in all those types of environments because his, his love and, and passion for the sport is just so obvious and, and you know, what he's accomplished. I mean, let's, let's talk about, you know, stepping aside for, for a second, what, what the 10 car did this year. I mean, what they've done the past four or five years yeah. is, is unheard of. Like it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. And it's, it's so 
um, incredible, obviously from the IndyCar side, the Indy 500 is, is this race with so many variables and it's so difficult to win because there's so many different factors that go into it due to the length of the race and how many cars are in it. This is like on that level, if not even more. And, and he's been able to do it now with two different manufacturers. So what do you, what do you attribute that too. I mean, it's what's, what's his secret. I mean, without telling people his secret, is it just the, the people that he puts in <laughs> place? Is it the, the it's methodology? Alex, it's the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a great goose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Besides the vodka, number one, um, like, like you, you said, uh, you saw the details of how the team works and how, how much of a family team it is. Um, and I think like when you get close to people, uh, you find out that all the special people, they all have some quirks about them. And whether it's, whether it's Michael or RP or whoever it is, like around the paddock, they're not normal people. And like RP will go, you know, days without sleeping and he's obsessive about his work and what he does. And um, I think my dad's a little quirky in a different way and uh, comes across as, you know, extremely stressed and, panicky in the races and like but it is just gonna be passionate about it and um and then you look at the the team and you like you were there and coming from a giant team like Andretti Autosport it's not it's not as many people it's not as you know as, as big of a program and uh I think the culture in the team is 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 pretty cool and I think that how everybody feels empowered to do their job and um and that it's small enough to where when you do need to make a change it's quick to make changes, uh, where if you're talking about a giant team uh, and you have to implement some new strategy, whether it's a new car or something, it's, it's hard to like pivot how the team does stuff. And well, I think um, there's always some personalities in the team where it makes, makes it difficult to make changes. Uh, but I think the team is in a good dynamic where it can kind of pivot and change around. And, uh, and that's something that I feel like the, the family feeling of it all where everybody feels valued is, is something that's um, that I think everybody's quite proud of in, in winter racing. Yeah, it's obvious. I mean, you, you look at the amount of, of years that people have worked there um, and it just shows that they love, they love what they do and, and the jobs that they get to do. And um, obviously that comes with great success, success. Like uh, one person, for example, Bill Mullen, mm-hmm. who was doing our driver changes. Uh, he's, he's been with my dad since 1996. And uh, all, all through the years, he, and then eventually he changed and he became the driver changer um, sometime around 2010 or so. And uh, like you saw, it was a struggle at first. Like we were struggling with driver changes. And he's one of the retired, like he could have retired the past four years. And each year he keeps coming back because he loves it. And, uh, and then this year, like new car, this car isn't the easiest to do the driver changes. And we kept practicing. He was motivated to keep working on it. Although sometimes we were like, ah, we need to try something else. And, uh, and by the end of it, we did, we did, uh, I think a pretty decent job on the driver change and he overcame it all. And I think he's, he's an example of like kind of the mentality of the team. A hundred percent. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, like Bill is one example. Um, Brian, just, just the level of dedication that, that all those guys have to, to, you know, making the team successful is so apparent. So one last question that I have for you kind of related to your dad before James, um, you know, brings up, you know, this year's race and, and things that he observed, I guess. Um, so you raced as a teammate 
with your dad in 2008. So like, what was, what's that like? Like that's so, a crazy experience. So 2008 was my first 24 hour and I was, I was 18 and I was not ready for it. And uh, that, that was just a, a weird, weird experience. Cause like it, that was an experience, like an experience where I shouldn't have been in the car. If I wasn't my dad's kid, I would not, I should, even I think I shouldn't have been in there. I had no business being on the track. Um, with my experience level and, and going into the SunTrust car at that point. And uh, it rained almost all race. There was about an hour and a half of dry running. And I did the entire dry portion of the race. And that's it. I did an hour and a half. <laughs> and between uh, Dad, Jan Magnuson, er, Dad, uh, and Max, and Michael Valiente um, did the rest. But the funny thing is, uh, we came back in 2014 with the last time I did with my dad and, uh, like everybody begged me to come back and drive the car. And, uh, so he joined the team in 14 and at that point he hadn't driven a car for like a year and a half and, uh, he gets in the car and you know, the car is not like it, it went from two buttons to 15 buttons yeah. really fast. And all of a sudden the steering wheel has all these things on it and, and, uh, it was, he drove, he drove the car two times, I think. And the first time he gets in the car, uh, full course, er, no, it was under green. He gets in the car, like two laps later, all the telemetry goes completely blank. Like <laughs> everything's flatlined. We don't know what's wrong. We can't even talk to him. And all of a sudden, boom, he comes back and he turned the master off. Somehow it's on the other side of the cockpit, but he turned the master switch <laughs> off and the entire car shut down. The car was like creeping to a halt and he finally figured out like, Oh, I've turned the car off, turned it back off, turned it back on and we were back going. <laughs> but, I'm no, I'm no racing expert, but that seems like a suboptimal. So move. like, so like, who Dude, this is why race cars don't have keys because <laughs> yeah. too often drivers would find a way to accidentally turn it off. So who, like, who yells at him if the boss is the one that screwed up? <laughs> <laughs> nobody yelled at him <laughs> that's fair yeah it you was can. just it was just a really uncomfortable thanksgiving yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess first of all hello rookie i'm sure my uh co-hosts here made ample fun of me for my technologically uh challenged uh approach to this whole podcast thing uh hello Welcome. Congratulations. Oh, no doubt. Unprofessional, uh, insulting, disrespectful. I know all of the, I get it. I'm, and they're right in, in every way they're right. Uh, but yes. Hello. Congratulations. Um, I, 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 I've got a question that's kind of, it's kind of for both of you guys actually, because uh, obviously you're in the same car and I got a couple of them. First off, you guys had the benefit of running together with this car the last couple of years at team Penske. Now you've switched over obviously to Wayne Taylor racing, what are some, from the driver's perspective, from what you guys go through, through a 24-hour, um, the Daytona 24-hour weekend, what were some of the big differences? Because obviously, you know, Penske's this powerhouse team in IndyCar and NASCAR and Wayne Taylor Racing's been this powerhouse team in sports car racing forever, uh, both incredibly successful, both probably have their own ways of working. But for your for your guys' seat, what did you notice were the big differences? Cars black. Uh <laughs> okay let's direct that question more to ricky then uh <laughs> um yeah i think uh honestly the car is 
is very similar. It's not, it's not after three years, but you have a lot of time and like a couple of 24 hour tasks later, there aren't a lot of items left on the list to, uh, to explore, unfortunately. Um, like Penske had gone through a lot of changes. And I think, you know, for uh, the main difference was a different way of looking at the same problem. And I think going away to the racing was like, okay, now we'll, we'll try to do it our way. Like we have setups from Penske and we'll just try to do it a different way. And, yeah, uh, and, I'm, and not even necessarily the car itself. I mean, it's the same car. I get that, but just how the team operates, and I mean, well, I are think, the debris different? Are do they prepare the drivers in a different way? Like, what's their approach? You don't have for to you shave. So it's right. <laughs> I think the easiest way to explain it. I mean, it kind of going off what what Ricky said. You know, whenever you have a, a new set of eyes, right, and whether that's from the team or a different driver, you you have a whole new perspective on kind of. Um, an approach and, and a way of doing things. And obviously, you know, there was a lot of respect amongst everyone um, for, for team Penske and no one thought team Penske, the way they did things were incorrect or, or wrong. You look at the, the success that they had obviously with two championships and they were pretty darn good, but you, you have this new set of eyes and, and people are able to kind of just reevaluate kind of things that, that have become normal. And I think that that, is was one of the the big strengths of of WTR and kind of being able to use their past experience in terms of the actual structure of the team James which I think you're you're curious about it's it's a lot less like not in a bad way but like you, you, kind of me Ricky Nelio we're so used to minute by minute schedules and and being there at a very specific time to do something very specific and then kind of leaving right. and and letting them be like it was kind of just the the engineering room is kind of like a lounge hangout area and you just have your conversations which end up being your debriefs or your briefings and it could be conversations right. about things that are relevant to today or relevant to something cool that happened two years ago like it's it's kind of <laughs> it, it's more just a flow of of ideas and and information more than at 9 a.m., we're going to have this meeting about this. And then at 9.20, right. we're going to transition to this and this. Obviously, there's pros and cons to both. Um, but, yes, it was – I think we all were kind of like came in from the, the the Penske mentality of sports car racing of like, okay, we're doing driver change practice at 2 p.m. Right. And that's going to last 45 minutes. Well, right. 2 p.m. became 5 p.m. <laughs> But like, we still got to die. And you don't get to leave until you've at least made it this time, this fast. Right, right. Whereas it, it's just different, man. And, yeah, okay. um, different approach. And I, and I, and I think you can, you can obviously kind of guess that from the outside, right? You, you look at Team Penske and, and how yeah. they um, run things. Um, they're very unique in, in that sense. Less vodka. In that sense, yes. And less vodka. And and well, <laughs> yes, much less. Okay. Um, so how so RPZ how much tequila man? <laughs> how much of a how much of an advantage would you like? Do you think it was? How much of a contributing factor to the win do you think it was that the three of you have been teammates for the last couple of years? And even though a lot of things changed, that really important core fundamental element stayed the same. Like obviously, it's an advantage, oh. but how much of an advantage do you think it was? Yeah, that was huge. I think um, coming into it, it was like, okay, everything's changing. What can we keep the same? What was good? And like the driver lineup was something that was 
a given um, from my perspective of like Elio and Alex are you know rock stars in the car and uh, super easy to know the car really well. Elio and I can't remember you know what happened last Tuesday, uh, but <laughs> Alex can somehow remember like every detail of you know what bumper we ran in uh, you know in Road Atlanta in 2019. Right. Um, even though he was in Bathurst. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so the three of us were like a given and, uh, it was already one step to, uh, have Philippe in the car, to learn the car. Uh, we opted to not do any off season testing, rather, uh, the guys needed the time to prep the cars. And, uh, so once you get to the roar, you know, there's not a lot of seat time when you have four drivers, like in the past we've had three and splitting the, splitting the time and getting work done is, is already a compromise. And then you add four drivers, then you make it four, you're splitting the time. Like I felt like I was the luckiest. I got probably the most seat time, but there were five. like Elliot, the one day I think had eight laps um, all weekend. And, uh, and so it really becomes slim uh, as far as your feeling in the car and how much input you have and how much compromise there is. Um, so having three guys that already knew stuff that could hit the, hit the ground running was, was for sure good, let alone the performance on track. So I want to make sure I get this right. Wayne Taylor Racing's now won three in a row? Three in a row and four out of five, yeah. So three in a row, and and I believe the only other team that's done that was Chip Ganassi Racing when they Correct. were sort of having their dominant uh, phase there in uh, kind of the mid-2000s with the, the Daytona prototypes. Yeah. I, yeah. I got to think there's a, a huge amount of pride from everybody at Wayne Taylor Racing to only be the second team in the history of that race to have that kind of, you know, accolade and, you know, under their name. Yeah, and, you know, talking to different guys on the team, it's, it's like, okay, uh, you can win it year after year and like things change. And, um, like you look at the cars that are winning, but you look at the, the one thing that stays the same is, is the, is the team and the people. And, um, even the drivers prove that, uh, they can win with any drivers, not just us. So, uh, so it's not even the drivers that are, that are doing it. It's, it's so what you're team. saying is the drivers, they're irrelevant. The team's so yeah, good, you can plug in your car. Pretty much you can plug, plug Tim in and he'd get a rollout. Yeah, no, that's that's what, how it came across. Actually, Wayne asked me to uh, to do it, but I said I was getting an Oculus Quest last weekend, so I, I wasn't available. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were super busy. All right, so 24-hour race, a lot goes on, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ebb and flow. You know, you guys didn't like qualify lightning fast, uh, but obviously you were confident in your race car, but you're now down uh. to. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying that. Uh, your race car came alive as the race developed. There was some good strategy calls. You stayed out of trouble, but you're now half an hour to go. Philippe's in the car. The, the Ganassi car is closing a nine second gap at an alarming rate. What is it, sitting on the timing stand? How helpless does that feel? What were you guys thinking? What were you feeling? Did you think it was gone? You think it was all going away? And then last part of that question is what exactly did you put on the right rear of the Ganassi car to lead to so many things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it blew up twice. Yeah, the, the one tried thing the first time it didn't quite work. The one thing <laughs> I, I mean, I'm only going to comment on this a little bit because I, I want Ricky to talk about it, but when Philippe got in the car, he literally 
looked at me and Elio and like pounded his chest like a gorilla and said, I am not reason. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. I mean, we're good. Fair enough. Like, that sounds great. Like, go, go, man. Like, you go do that. Yeah. That would be terrible if you guys lost after that. He was so <laughs> amped up, which was <laughs> unbelievable. After, you know, he had already kind of just gotten out of the car and only had like a 50 minute rest. He was like, I am 100% winning this race. I don't care. And that was the last thing he said. And, and he went and did it. So um, it was, it was hell uh, for sure. But I mean, I think ultimately the the best guy was in the car. So um, it, yeah. But Alex, it was hell for you just having to be around other people. We're we're more curious about how Ricky dealt with it. That that is fair. That's a fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, with about an hour and twenty minutes to go, uh, Alex showed us his phone and he typed out on a little notepad that I want to throw up. <laughs> sure did sure did I, I actually i actually have it saved still a note <laughs> i love that you have the little laughing emoji with it <laughs> i don't that's think i've funny. ever seen you nervous alex that's weird to me i was pretty nervous yeah <laughs> well it's it's got to be worse when you're not in control right like if you're in the car obviously you're not nervous you're not thinking about it you just focus but when you're you're helpless at that point, right? You're just, you're literally a spectator, but it's still your race. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that was an hour and 20 minutes to go from there. until like an hour to go, it was a whole different story. And then like, it was, it felt like the longest hour of our entire lives. And we were watching, so the last, leading up to the last stop, um, we, we, uh, we ran the second last stint all the way, uh, yep. sort of get home to the get home, and uh, and the Ganassi car stopped early to get on new tires, like do some quick laps, beat us out, and then did their other stop sooner. Um, so they jumped us effectively, and then we had a short fill on the last stop to jump them back, which was about an eight second fill, where or no, I think it was like a ten second fill where we needed to do. We could only do two tires at that point, otherwise. Um, that kind of negated our feeling advantage. And so from that point on, like we beat them out, we got a second, second gap in the last stint and those 30 minutes were just terrible. And uh, watching Philippe, uh, we had a, a live stream of our onboard camera and it was unbelievable. Every time the car came out of turn six, we're just watching that stupid camera and Alex is like, you can get that guy in the bus now. And every single, almost every lap, where Philippe was getting traffic in the bus stop, and Elio was jumping up and down, yelling like <laughs> it, it was as you would expect, and like we were just getting furious. And every time it would happen, it's like it's just it's just not meant to be. Like the, the zero one was not getting any traffic in the bus stop. They had to clean on almost every single time. So oh, for the, was, for the, was, for the spectators who are more, or it's not spectators, I'm sorry, listeners, you guys, um, who are more IndyCar fans and not, not IMSA fans. So obviously multi-class racing traffic is, is a huge part of it, especially if you're, you're the quickest car. Um, and the bus stop is kind of this chicane between two super long straights that take into account the NASCAR banking of Daytona. And if you get kind of, caught up at the wrong timing and the wrong gap going into the bus stop, it becomes, instead of being like a hundred and kind of 
20 mile an hour chicane in third gear, it becomes almost like a 70 mile an hour, 80 mile an hour chicane in second gear. And if the car chasing you, the car chasing always has a bit of an advantage because they can see how much you've had to check up and can time their run. And it's very difficult to defend against on the exit. What was happening for that last, or from kind of the hour to, to 30 minutes to go, for whatever reason, Philippe was just catching everyone in the bus stop and the O1 car was getting a clean run through. And, and so that was a big reason why the gap was coming down so much. It wasn't necessarily because they were quick. I mean, they were quicker, but but I don't think the gap would have reduced like it like it did had, had that not happened. And we were just begging for a break. And what was interesting was we finally got one like five corners before the puncture happened and Philippe was able yeah. to clear traffic kind of through the turn four, five, six section and uh, Ranger got held up in it and the gap went from like two tenths to like one and a half seconds. So at that point, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, that the one car lost the race because he blew a tire, but actually Philippe was able to get a big enough cushion at that point where I think he would have been pretty good to go with five laps to go. And, and, the, and the thing is, like, from, from watching it, I mean, he closed that gap. and he, But he was, he was you know, less than a second for a few laps. And he, if he, you know, when I say he had some opportunity, I think Philippe was going quick enough. And, I mean, catching is one thing, passing is another. I think even without, I'm with you, man. I think even without the puncher, he was, like you say, he was not going to lose that race. He was driving <laughs> the absolute wheels off that thing. And it was super fun to watch. Yeah. I so, mean, less so, so for you. Yeah. So Ricky, like sitting there in the, in the spectators booth or whatever you, you call it, the stand, um, when did you kind of allow yourself to think, Oh, we, we might win this like the, this, we, we could be going home with some watches today. Um, uh, I think it was when they had the puncture only. <laughs> that was it. It, it took that yeah, it long. Was eight minutes ago. Whatever it, was. <laughs> it was no sooner than that. So um, yeah, you had you had an agonizing twenty three hours and fifty two minutes, <laughs> followed yeah. by like eight minutes of hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they had overcome, like the Ganassi car had overcome. Uh, in the last what was it, maybe three hours, they had a, a penalty, a drive through penalty for uh, tires spinning while in the air, and then they had another puncture, uh, which they went to the end of the line. So like they had two things that had happened wrong. They had to come through their field. That was like the third or fourth time in the race that they'd come basically storming through the field. And uh, so you couldn't ever really count them out. And we like, we were not the fastest car um, all race, especially at the beginning of the race, we were probably the fifth fastest car, maybe sixth or seventh fastest car out of seven. And um and so by the end of the by the end of the race, I feel like everybody come back to us a little bit, but there were still two, two maybe three cars that had a little bit more pace than us, and the Ganassi car had a bit quite a bit more pace than us. Um, but kind of how how Hinch said it, uh, they had to get around, and I think the uh, gorilla mentality is not going to let that happen. So was the gorilla mentality. I like that. So was, is there, a, is there like a conscious decision made to try to set the car up a little bit more for daytime running tons of rubber end of the race for those last sort of four or five stints? Or are you really just trying to come up with the most 
you know, compromised setup that's good at the start on a green track, that's going to be good at night when it's cold, but it's going to be good back in the day, maybe not great anywhere, but good everywhere. Like what's the approach when you guys are as drivers trying to set the car up for that race? It's tough. I think uh, Alex can talk about it too, but like you're just trying to make the car fast and not care too much about what it's like at night, but the intensity is so high all race that if your car isn't good at night, like, and it happens to go green for a long time, you can lose like a lot you of lose a lot. And yeah. like it, the intensity is that high all race. Um, and so you, you try to make the car good in certain places more than others uh, around the track. And the track does change from day to night. But for example, when we went to night practice over the race weekend, the car went super loose. And then in the race, it didn't really do that, like, which was quite interesting. And then, uh, but I think as a whole, you're trying to make the car good at the end in the day because this year it ended at 3.40. And so you have a lot of day running uh, on the second day. And, uh, and then you also want to, as Alex said, you know, exiting the bus stop on the long straights. You want to be able to, to defend yourself in those areas. And so, you know, good braking, you get by GT cars, you get by other class cars, and then, you know, good top speed and, and good exit speed out of the corners are kind of the three big things that you want to win Daytona. And uh, I feel like that's something that we did well. But on top of that, I think the approach is really big. And um, having four guys that have a lot of experience in, in this race was critical. But it takes a lot of discipline not to smash the curbs all race and tear up the bottom of the car. And, you know, you know, you want the car as good as it was in the beginning as it was at the end. And uh, listening to the guys back at the shop when they got the car back, it, they said the car looked great. Um, like it could go do another they entered into another race right now. I'm so. actually surprised because I think we, we were pretty liberal with the curves at the end. So that's, I mean, that's good to <laughs> know. End, yeah. like, <laughs> so next time we can use a little more. Curve. All right, I'm in. <laughs> you can start using the curves sooner is what, uh, is what that means. Yeah, um, yeah well, pretty I, much. I think the, the only kind of last question that I would have for you, Ricky, is obviously, um, you know, you've you've now won multiple Daytonas, 24s. You've won multiple in Daytona, 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 yeah. <laughs> multiple into um, sports car championships. Like, what what's your what's your goal? Like, what's what are you trying to what's accomplish? Are you, are, you, are you trying to become the the Scott Dixon of, of IndyCar racing? <laughs> everything like multiple times. Um, yeah, like. You could ask you guys the same thing, Like you're, you're both extremely successful, but you just want to keep, you know, you, you move past the last race win pretty quickly. Like once you get to the next race, like when we get to Sebring, nobody cares about what happened in Daytona. And it just, um, but like, if I was to say a bucket list race and something that I'm really excited about is that actually just announced that they're going to be going to the LMBH category, which is our new set of rules for sports car racing, which is going to be a hybrid you know, sports car prototype uh, in 2023. And uh, and hopefully that means our car will be eligible to go to Lamar. And so to go to go back to Lamar with uh, a proper factory program, uh, I think would be super, super cool. And so to, to win Lamar overall is what we would have the shot, the opportunity to do. And so that for me would be um, at the very top of my list for sure. Fair enough. All right, Love man. It. Well, we look, we look forward to it. Hopefully that's the case. 
Um, all right, right before we let you go, there's one thing we like to do with our guests, and it's just a quick lightning round of questions. So Alex and I are just going to alternate questions, and we're just going to fire them off, and you just fire off answers, all right? All right. Uh, what show are you binging right now? Uh, 24. <laughs> like the imagine. Jack Bauer the original, like 24? Did you just want to stay on theme? That's <laughs> yeah, push that. <laughs> He's taking his training to a whole new level, guys. That is commitment. I mean, Tom Brady would be impressed at that commitment. Do you, do you watch it in one day? Like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> it's good training. Oh, man. Um, I didn't write this next one. So, cool. Boxers or briefs, Ricky? Uh, the world briefs. needs to know, Alex. Okay. <laughs> world needs to All right. Do, do you have a guilty pleasure movie? Um... No. Uh, no. Top Gun. No, you've got mail. No. All right. <laughs> no. Uh, Top Gun's a legit movie. That's not a, yeah, that's not a guilty pleasure. I'm just trying to think of one that's always good. Minus, say, like, minus Fool's okay. Gold. Okay, maybe Driven. Fool's Gold. Okay. I, I, driven? Oh, my I God. Get, wow. get, you you little, no one has ever said that in the I history of anything. <laughs> Nobody wow. loves that movie. My so best part is how realistic like the quarter scene was. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Like you gotta appreciate it, I say. My my favorite part was when it faded to black at the end because it meant it was over. Um, what, all right, Ricky, what is what is the one purchase that you made that like you regret the most? Like, where's what's the purchase you have the most buyer's remorse from? Um, I bought a simulator during COVID. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I almost got suckered into that, but I did. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That was a big regret. Awesome. It's uh, not doing anything since <laughs> since I got it. Good. Tony bought three. So oh, that's good. Better about yeah. Yourself. Tony's entire bedroom closet, but his entire like upper floor is just simulator parts. Uh, okay. What was your favorite subject in school? Um, I like math. But yeah. Yeah. Not good at it. Mm. You're not good at it, but you like it? No. No, like I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And then, yeah. But uh, <laughs> a, a well debated topic here on Off Track, Ricky, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Um, There's only no. an answer, and it's yes. Oh, wow. He's out. Not, All right, we're done. We don't need to say that. <laughs> that took too long to answer in the first place. I was already going to say well, that this there's was something bad, about the but start of it. No. Isn't there something with the start it's of it Christmas that means time. it is a Christmas movie? It's Christmas time. Yeah. yeah oh, it's, a, Christmas it's a Christmas tree. tree. Yeah, it's yeah. a Christmas movie. Uh, okay, last one. Fastest you've ever driven not in a race car. It's the fastest you've uh, taken a road car. Maybe 90 miles an hour. Not very fast. That does Ricky. Ricky. Are you lying? Not gonna... There are no cops listening, and your dad will not watch this. Ricky. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, not Fastest you've been like... in road cars. What's that? Yeah, not kind of like track testing a road car. No, like on no, the road, it's like... 90 miles an hour. No. So you, just, you leave the, right. the fast driving to the track. Okay. Interesting. All right. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at that answer. That's a great answer. I just think it's, it's I'm a little mad at it. <laughs> I feel like a I'm terrible the, human being. Well, <laughs> but so should like every person that's been on this, on the show. So like, I'm, I'm going to say this Ricky. And I, I, I mean this in a good way. 
that's I think by far the lowest number we've had anybody say. <laughs> yeah, the hot dog guy went like one twenty. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like a super successful race car driver, and and it's the slowest number we've had. Well, what does from that anybody have to do with anything? Show. It's still. It, no, it, you're nothing. It, that's you're the thing. Absolutely I'm, right. That's what's infuriating I, about it. Yeah, yeah. You are you are just the best person we've ever so, had on the show. No, at Watkins Glen. The, the last. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, but, you can get a ticket going ninety, Alex. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're especially in a forty, if you're gonna get a ticket, you might as well like you know go big, go big. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. The last time we were in Watkins Glen, and the last time I was with Wednesday Racing in 2017, um, Max Angelelli like loves to go fast. Like his average speed is like well over 120, and <laughs> but he was actually doing like 10 over in Watkins Glen, and he got pulled over, and he only had his hard card and like it said driver on it, and he got arrested <laughs> for his hard card, and so he said like his reason was you're a driver. You should know how fast you're going. And Max then said, we don't have speedometers in the car. So great point. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and he got taken away. The only time we know how fast we're going is when we're in pit lane because yeah, something exactly. else is controlling it. It's not <laughs> about our hands. <laughs> Very cool. Well, hey, man, uh, thanks so much for uh, wasting your time with us this afternoon. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Congrats, obviously, on uh, on a huge race to you both. Uh, and good luck at Sebring, which I believe is the Thank next you. one. Cool. Thank you. It was nice of you to join as well. <laughs> yes, nice. <laughs> All right, Rick. All right, slick Rick. We can, that's enough out of you. This, this interview is over. <laughs> oh, well done. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.